Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. This morning, with the Lord's help, I want to talk about this subject, freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ. Let me hear you say freedom. Freedom. Every time I hear the word freedom, I picture Mel Gibson with his face painted blue. Some of you guys got that. Some of you guys didn't. Um, (laughs) If you want to join me in Galatians, we'll be in chapter 5, starting in verse 1. It says, so Christ has truly set us free. Now make sure that you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you this. If you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be no benefit to you. I'll say it again. If you are trying to find favor with God by being circumcised, you must obey every regulation in the whole law of Moses. For if you were trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you've been cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. But we who live by the Spirit eagerly wait to receive by faith the righteousness God has promised us. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. You were running the race so well, who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he is the one who called you to freedom. Say freedom one more time. Now, the Lord began to deal with me about what to speak today, and he asked me on this topic of freedom in Christ. And we are so blessed to live in a free country. There is no other country like the United States of America. I am thankful for the country that we live in. I am thankful for our rights. You know, you have the right to choose what school you go to. You have the right to choose what career you want. You have the right to choose uh, what side of town you want to live on. You have the right to choose uh, many different things in your life. We have a freedom of speech. We are able to freely gather together and worship the Lord. There are a lot of freedoms that honestly sometimes we take for granted. But I am grateful for all of these freedoms that we have access to. However, true freedom can only be found in Christ. I'm thankful for everything that comes with being a a citizen in the United States. I'm thankful for all of those freedoms, but true freedom can only be found in Christ. Galatians 5.1 says, so Christ has truly set us free. It doesn't just say, you know, Christ has set us free. It says Christ has truly, truly set us free. In a way that... that that nothing else could have ever done for us in a way that only Christ could have done. In John 8, 36, it says, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. You see, when Christ does a work in your life, that is the moment that true freedom begins to take place in your life. The freedom that can only be found in Christ and nowhere else. You see, you can't find that kind of freedom in a pill. I don't care what kind of pills you got. I don't care what kind of hookup you got. I don't care what it is. Freedom cannot be found in a pill. Freedom cannot even be found in a program. They could take you through two, they could take you through three steps, five steps, seven steps, 12 steps, third. I don't care how many steps you go through. True freedom can only be found in Christ. Freedom cannot be found in yoga. I don't care how tight your pants are. I don't care if you could touch your toes. I don't care if you could lift your foot up over your head. True freedom cannot be found in yoga. It could only be found in Christ. The freedom that you get from Christ, it's not an illusion. Christ can truly set you free from any bondage that you have in your life. Not only can he, but I believe it's the will of God that you be set free from all bondage in your life. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It could be 
It could be alcohol, it could be drugs, it could be depression, it could be anxiety, it could be a worry, it could be doubt. Whatever has got a hold of you, I believe that God can and wants to set you free from it. John 14 and 6 tells us, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me. Jesus starts out by saying that he is the way. And Jesus, let me tell you, is the only way. Jesus is the only way to salvation. Jesus is the only way to live a life of freedom. There aren't multiple ways. I don't care what they say. The Pope can say that there are uh, many different religions, but it's the same God. The Pope can say whatever he wants to, but I am here to tell you today that the only way is through Jesus. He is the only way. Jesus said he's also the truth, and I'm here to just remind you today not to be deceived by any teaching that's not from the word of God. If somebody is trying to push their beliefs on you and it cannot be supported through the word of God, then as wisdom would tell me that it needs to be rejected. That anything outside of Jesus and God's word is a lie. The Bible says that Jesus was the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. That means that he is the word he is the way to freedom. He is the way to life. That means that if I can't find it in Jesus, the person or the word of God, then that means that I don't need it in my life. He is the life. That means that there is no life outside of Jesus. Every other road outside of Jesus will lead you down a path of death and destruction. Without Jesus in your life, you are headed to hell It sounds mean, it sounds rough, but without Jesus, there is no life. John 10 and 10 said, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You see, Jesus is the answer to every problem that you have in your life. The thief may come to steal, but guess what? Jesus is the answer to stealing. How do I know that? I know that because in the word, in Malachi, it says that he would rebuke the devourer for our sake. What does that mean? That means that, that if the devil is trying to get a hold of my stuff, that he'll rebuke him for my sake. That means he ain't gonna let the devil get his hands on my finances. He ain't gonna let the devil keep his hands on my health, on my family. He'll, 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 he'll rebuke him for your sake. The answer to the thief is Jesus. Jesus is also the answer to killing. It says the thief comes to also kill. Well, guess what? Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave. The grave couldn't keep him down. The cross couldn't keep him down. Jesus got up, and I'm so thankful that he got up because I do not have to fear death. Death has no hold over me. Jesus is the answer. Says he comes to destroy. Well, guess what? Jesus is the answer to that too because the word says that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. He may threaten me. He may try to mess up my life. He may try to tear everything apart. But guess what? Jesus is the answer. And it doesn't matter what he tries to form against me. God's gonna bring me through it. It says, I came so that you could have life, but not just life, but so that your life may be full. Well, mo what makes your life full? Purpose. Before I started living for Jesus, I didn't have purpose in my life. You know, without Jesus, you're just living, you're trying to be who society tells you to be. They tell you to go to school, you go to school. They tell you to go to college, get an education, you do that. They tell you that you need to have a career, you do that. But what happens when you do all the things they tell you to do and you still feel empty? You got the degree, but you still don't feel fulfillment. You got your dream job, but there's still something missing. You got plenty of money in the bank and yet you feel empty on the inside. 
And here's the thing is that you will never experience freedom and fulfillment until you are living inside of the will of God. Until you are actually doing what God created you to do, you will always feel empty. You will always be bound. So you have to figure out, God, why did you create me and place me here at this point in time in 2023? God, why do you have me here? What is the purpose that you have for my life? In John 8, 31 through 32, it says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if, say if, you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus gives us the equation to freedom. It starts with believing in him. Your faith is what brings you through the door of freedom. When I was living in bondage and sin had its grip over me, my faith in Jesus is what led me to a new place where I could experience freedom. And he said, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. When you are faithful to his teachings, when you're faithful to what the word has to say, and he said, when you are faithful, when you have believed in me, when you have remained faithful, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That's when freedom comes into your life. Here's what I know is I know that, I know that religion doesn't give you freedom. Religion doesn't give you freedom. He said, listen, I, Paul, I tell you this, that if you are counting on circumcision to make you right with God, then Christ will be no benefit to you. He's saying, if you think, if you think being religious and going through the motions is gonna make you right with Christ, he said, you've missed it. And at this time, you've got to realize that, that the audience, the people that they're preaching to, you know, almost half of these people were slaves. And he's telling them, if you want to experience freedom in your life, it's not going to be from being religious. It's great that you showed up to church. It's great that you put money in the offering basket. It's great that you serve. It's great that you post pictures of you reading your Bible. All of that's great. But that ain't going to do it for you. You see, Jesus came to fulfill the law and all of its requirements. Jesus came to fulfill the law in order to set the people free from it. The law that the people were living by, it left them in a constant state of sin and guilt. It produced fear and despair in their life. It's like, it's like desiring a relationship so bad, and yet you always feel like you're, you're not good enough. I've messed up again. I've messed up again. And that's what people felt like in the inside. God, I want, I want to make you happy. I want to please you. I want to live my life for you. And yet they're overcome by guilt and shame being like, man, I messed up again. I don't deserve you. I don't deserve you. And then they had this constant fear that they would miss out and be rejected. They got caught up in this religious uh, belief that, well, maybe, maybe if I do this, then God will be happy with me. Maybe if I do this, then it'll make things right. And the thing is, is that people in the church today, they're still bound by religion. I know people personally that they, they go through all the religious motions. They're faithful to church. They serve. They give in the offering. They even tithe. They do all these different things, and yet they live such a worldly life. And yet sin has such a hold over them. And here's the thing. If religion could give you freedom, then why would sin still have a hold over their life? There is no freedom outside of Jesus and outside of the word of God. Our righteousness isn't achieved, but it's received only through our faith in Jesus Christ. 
You may be a great person. You may be kind. You may be loving. You may be generous. But that's not going to get you saved. It is only by faith in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2 says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. And I have good news today to tell you that the greatest gift that was ever given is Jesus Christ. It's a gift that's not just for the religious. It's not just for the broken down. It's not just for the lost. It's for every single person with breath in their lungs. Jesus died for every single one of us. Nobody was worthy. Nobody could earn it. The way you dressed couldn't earn it. The way you acted couldn't earn it. The the neighborhood you grew up in, it couldn't earn it for you. Who your parents were, they couldn't earn it for you. It was a gift that was for everybody. And one of my favorite things about the cross is that that's where equality was truly established. Because it was a gift for everybody. It didn't matter if you were black or white. Didn't matter if you were Democrat, Republican, whatever your persuasion, it does not matter to God. Everybody equally could not earn it, did not deserve it, and yet he gave it to you anyway. It's Christmas and everybody got a present. In 2 Corinthians 3, 16 through 18, it says this. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is spirit, and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. When you turn to the Lord, one of the first things that happens is there's a veil that's removed. What does that mean? You could, you could think of a veil. Most people, when they think of a veil, they think of um, like a wedding where a bride has a veil covering her face. And during the ceremony, that veil is removed and they're able to be face to face. And it is the same way when you come to Jesus. No longer are you distant from his presence but now you are in a state where you can be face to face with him. Not only can you be face to face with God when the veil is removed, but you can also see more clearly. When I was living in bondage, I couldn't always see it. I couldn't always see how the enemy had a hold over my life. But when I came to Christ, now I could look and I could see him before he ever gets to me. I could see how he's trying to work his way into my life. I could see areas that he's trying to get a hold of because the veil was removed. And it says, wherever the spirit is, there is freedom, which tells me that you, when you came to Christ and you received the Holy Spirit, that tells me that your life should be a life of freedom because you're no longer doing things on your own. You have the spirit of the living God inside of you and you should be living not a life of bondage, but a life of freedom. And here's what I love even more. It says, so all of us who had that veil removed and we can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. Not only am I supposed to see the glory of God, but I'm supposed to reflect it. I'm supposed to reflect it. When people take a look at you, they ought to see the glory of God all over your life. They ought to be like, there is something different about this person. I don't know what it is. They've got this glow about them. They've got this joy about them. And what it is, it's, it's you reflecting the glory of God. And it says, the Lord makes us more and more like him as we are being changed into his image. So, so when you put your faith in Christ, you receive this freedom through the spirit where this veil is removed. You now begin to reflect the glory of God. And not only are you reflecting the glory of God, but he's transforming you into his image. 
This new life of freedom that you found looks different than the life that you had before. You're not reflecting your past. You're not looking like you used to be, but now you're looking more and more like him. The great church father Augustine taught that true freedom is not choice or lack of constraint, but being what you are meant to be. Humans were created in the image of God. True freedom then is not found in moving away from that image, but only in living it out. The closer we conform to the true image of God, Jesus Christ, the freer we become. The farther we drift from it, the more our freedom shrinks. And I look back at my life and the moments in my life where I felt like I was locked up, where I felt like I was carrying this heavy weight and all these burdens in my life. When I look back at times in my life where I felt like that, my life reflected something completely different than who he was. But when I begin to, to look more and more like him, I begin to become more and more free. I begin to allow God to strip things off of me that used to hold me back, things that used to cause me to trip up. I allowed the spirit to remove those things and then I stepped into freedom. You see, when you put your faith in Jesus, that means you're no longer putting your faith in the things of this world. That means no alcohol, my faith's not in you anymore. Drugs, my, my faith isn't in you anymore. You can't do it for me. You're not enough for me. And you allow God to strip those things off of you and bring you into a life of freedom. When Jesus came, Jesus came to set the captives free. He came to set the captives free. When Jesus began his ministry, here's what he did. He got baptized and then he went into the wilderness to go through a season of prayer and fasting. And then after he comes out of the wilderness, it says he returns to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. And it says reports about him begin to spread quickly through the region. And he taught regularly in the synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went as usual to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where this was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released, that the blind will see and that the oppressed will be set free. And that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And it says, then he rolled up the scroll and he handed it back to them and sat down. All the eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently and he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. You see, the whole reason why Jesus came was to set the captives free. The whole reason why Jesus came and died on the cross for you and I was to pay the penalty for our sin. It was to fulfill the law so that we would no longer have to live under guilt. We would no longer have to live carrying our shame around. We would no longer have to live feeling like we're not good enough all the time. Jesus came and died for us so that we could know that we are loved, that he cares about us, that he has a plan and a purpose for our lives. He came so that we could be healed. He came so that we could be redeemed. That's what Jesus came to do. And he said, he said I, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he's anointed me to do these things. To set the captives free, to open up blind eyes, to set the oppressed free. But then here's what happened. Before Jesus left, he said, he said, you will do even greater things. That means that the spirit of the Lord is upon you to proclaim the good news. The spirit of the Lord is upon you and he has anointed you to set the captives free, to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, to go to the oppressed and to lead them into freedom. How many more people do we have to see in bondage? 
How many more of our friends do we have to see caught up in addiction where drugs and alcohol have a hold of them and they don't know how to break free? How many more family members have to die from an overdose? How many more people have to die from suicide because they have no hope? Every single one of us, we've been given freedom in Christ and it's our responsibility to use that freedom to proclaim the good news and to see the captives set free. I just believe that so strongly. If God has set you free from drugs, then the streets should be, should be full of you going around from attic to attic, praying for them, seeing them set free and recovereth. If God has delivered you from alcohol, then there should be bars that go out of business because you set up ministry in the parking lot. If God has healed you and he has touched your body, then you should have a healing ministry where you're in the hospitals and you're praying for the sick and you're seeing them recover. Why? Because if God did it for you, why can't he do it for somebody else? If God sets you free, why wouldn't you want to see him set somebody else free? We were talking to the team before service and we were having a meeting and I said, one of the, great, the greatest miracle I've ever witnessed in my life is salvation. That God could take a broken person living in bondage, the weight of the world keeping them down. They feel hopeless, they feel worthless and yet God could just pick them up and make all things new in a moment. God could break off every addiction in a moment. God could heal every wound in a moment. I almost feel like sometimes the church needs to go back to, to, to our staple verses like John 3, 16, where it says, this is how God loved the world, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge it, but to save the world through him. There are many people that, that wanna be in ministry. They see, they see positions, they see titles, they, they desire it. But really ministry starts with John three sixteen, something that every single one of us in this room are called to do. If God loved the world that much, and I'm going to reflect his image, then I should love the world that much. If God was willing to give up everything, if God was willing to let Jesus go to the cross for us just to save people, then I should be willing to give up everything to reach the people who are being lost, the people whose lives are consumed. I, I should be willing to step out and to preach the word and to lay hands on the sick and to watch God move. And I feel like our problems found in verse 17 where it says, Jesus came not to judge the world, but to save it. And one of the problems in the church is that we, we, we do the opposite. We spend more time judging than saving. Somebody comes in, they look different than us. We cast judgment on them. We assume things about them. The revival that just happened in Asbury, it was, it was so sickening to see how many ministries were passing judgment on what was happening in Kentucky. Because it wasn't happening where they were. Because it wasn't how they would do things. But here's what I know is that that even in a great revival like that and the several revivals that have been across the country, all these revivals mean nothing if we aren't willing to go out into the world and win the lost. These revivals mean nothing if people aren't getting set free and putting their faith in Jesus Christ. You can see all the, all the church pastors and stuff that traveled all across the world and went there to experience God's presence. 
But I wanna see how many people left there with God's presence and went out into the world so that they could experience it. But it takes every single one of us. In 1 Corinthians, let me just talk about this real quick. Sin gives the illusion of freedom. And if you've ever been caught in a lifestyle of sin, you know that it deceives you. How many of you guys in the room have a teenager? Oh, Lord. I'm praying for this bunch right here. I, I was in youth ministry for many years. And I, I dread the day that my son becomes a teenager. But most of your teenagers, they think that when they turn 18 and they graduate and move out of your house, they think that what they get at that point is freedom. Once I move out, I'm going to be free. Once I turn 18, I'm going to be free. They, they, they have this illusion that freedom is when they move out of your house, when they can do whatever they want to, when they don't have the rules or the limitations anymore. But the moment that they move out and responsibility smacks them in the face and bills start showing up in the mail, they quickly realize, man, this freedom thing isn't what I thought it would be. 1 Corinthians 6, 12 says, you say, I am allowed to do anything. But not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. And it's so important that you realize that sin will deceive you and will make you think it's okay to do this, it's okay to do that. And then you'll find yourself, uh, you'll find yourself slowly compromising in little things and eventually those little things that you compromised on become your master. It's, it's crazy what, what, what believers in the church today try to argue about doing. If you're fighting that hard to do something, then clearly it's got a hold over you. Sin will make you think that you're free, that you can do whatever you want, you can live your best life. It, it, it comes across as attractive, it comes across as fun. But in the end, it ends up trapping you and it ends up destroying your life. Many people who are caught up in these sinful lifestyles suffer from what we call Stockholm Syndrome. And it's sad because people in the church aren't exempt from this. In fact, I see it happen all the time with people inside the body of Christ. What is Stockholm Syndrome? In 1973, bank robbers in Stockholm, Sweden, they held bank employees hostage for six days. The whole affair ended in a peaceful surrender. The hostages, however, would not even testify against the robbers. They became emotionally attached to their captors and even defended them. The phenomenon has become known as Stockholm Syndrome. And Christians today are highly susceptible to a spiritual version of Stockholm Syndrome. The Bible tells us that the whole world is a prisoner of sin. And when you and I become attached to worldly things, we become hostages. The Bible says that those who use the things of the world should live as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. It also tells us, do not love the world or anything in the world, because if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, the boasting of what he has and does comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but the man who does the will of God lives forever. In Matthew, it also tells us no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And if we're not vigilant, vigilant 
In our natural man, we can become emotionally attached to the world, even entrapped in it. And when that happens, we will end up serving the wrong master. So you have to ask yourself this question, do you find that you defend your worldliness? Do you find that you defend your worldliness? I know Christians today that will argue with you until they run out of breath about their drinking habits. They will defend it with everything inside of them and yet if you were to ask these believers about Jesus and what a life of freedom looks like, they would have very little to say. And I struggle to accept that something is okay when I have personally seen family members have their lives destroyed by it. When I've seen lapses in judgment, when I've seen violence and I've seen abuse, you can defend worldliness all you want, but what I call that is I call that Stockholm Syndrome. You, you, you tried something and it made you feel good. You tried something and you liked it, so now you're defending it. It may be bad, it may be destructive, it may be sinful, but you are defending it because of your emotional attachment to it. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in The Cost of Discipleship this, when Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. And I want to challenge you today as believers, let us choose to die rather than defend our captor. Let us choose to lay down our fleshly man and die to ourselves instead of wanting that thing. Pastor says it all the time on the subject. Where is the desire in you coming from? Why do you want it? Why do you want it? Because I don't know about you, but I've found everything that I need and desire in Jesus. I don't need anything else to make me feel good. I don't need anything else to put me in a better mood. If you can't find it in Jesus, then it's a lie. If you can't find it in Jesus, then it's deceiving you. Real quickly, as I close, there are three areas of freedom that Jesus brings you into. Number one is he sets you free from the power of sin. In Romans 8, 14 through 15, it says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. And the Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. The Spirit of God broke the power of sin in your life when Jesus died on the cross. When Jesus paid the price for our sin, he broke the power that it had over us off of our life. Every single chain was broken in that moment. When you come to Jesus by faith, all of that is broken off of you. Instead of being a slave, you're now a son or a daughter. Instead of living in fear, you now are able to walk with joy and have the peace of Christ upon you. He broke the power of sin off your life. The only way back into bondage is if you invite it. Jesus never led me into sin. He brought me out of it. And every time I went back to it, it was because of a decision I made. It was because I wasn't being led by the Spirit, I was being led by my flesh. That's why when, when you truly give your life to Christ, I remember my grandpa, he always preached this. When you give your life to Christ and you come up to an altar, he said that old you has got to die. When you come up here, something has got to die, otherwise you're gonna go right back to what you came out of. Something inside of you, you've got, to, you've got to kill it, you've got to lay it down, and you've got to refuse to pick it back up again. The second thing he sets us free from is condemnation. Romans 8, 1 through 2, therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. 
Sin no longer has a hold over you. Death no longer has a hold over you. And there's no condemnation in your life. There's no more walking around full of guilt and shame. Feeling like you're not good enough. Feeling like God can't use you. Feeling like God can't forgive you. Like God, like you've messed up too much. Jesus broke condemnation off of the believer. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in this room that could testify about how Jesus set them free. I'm sure there's a lot of people that that have a great testimony, but honestly, it doesn't even matter what he brought you out of. There are people that try to give you their, their sin resume. Like they're bragging about it. They can list like 50 different drugs they done tried and all these different things that they've done. How many times they've been locked up, how many people they shanked. I mean, all, they tell you all these things about their life. But the truth is, is that people don't need to hear about what you did. They need to hear about who brought you out. It doesn't matter what you've done, that's great. You were very talented back in the day in your field of specialty, congratulations. But people need to hear about who brought you out. So when you meet somebody on the street and you're telling them about Jesus, yeah, I know, I used to, I used to be caught up in mess, but Jesus. I know what drugs do to your life, but Jesus. I know what alcohol can do to your family, but Jesus. I know the hold that sin has on your flesh, but Jesus. They don't need to know about anything else but Jesus because Jesus is their way out. We are free to express the love of Christ. When we place our faith in Christ Jesus, it's no longer about being religious. It says, what is important is faith being expressed in love. Don't tell me about how many hours you serve at the church. Don't tell me about all the different areas that you serve and volunteer in. All of that's great, but I want to hear about how are you expressing your faith through love. How, how are you expressing your faith at your job? Are you just telling people, come to my church, I volunteer, I'm a greeter, I'm an usher, I work the parking lot, yeah, I go Sundays and Wednesdays, and uh, yeah, we're doing 21 days prayer and fasting. You tell them all the religious stuff. That's great, but go ahead and love on somebody. Go ahead and encourage them. Go ahead and, you know, share some words of affirmation. Go ahead and pray over them. What's important is faith being expressed in love. John 13, 35, it says this, by this everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. And I thought about this before I came to Christ. In the moment, the night I really gave my heart to the Lord, I felt his presence pulling me. I was in the back of the room I was goofing around. I wasn't even interested. I can't even tell you what was preached. But the Spirit of God began to tug at my heart. And then when I went to the altar, the Lord began to do a work inside of my heart. So here's how it works is that in the beginning, you have an outside presence that is tugging at the inside of you. And then when you put your faith in Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit that's doing a work inside of you. Well, then after you get saved and you give your life to Christ, there should be an inward presence that's doing a work on the outside of you. That means that every single one of us, God should be using us right where we're at to make a difference in the world around us. As you stand to your feet tonight, to this morning, whatever it is. <laughs> Martin Luther said this, he said, a Christian man 
is the most free Lord of all and subject to none. And then he also said, a Christian man is the most dutiful servant of all and subject to everyone. You should be the greatest servant in the room. If there's gonna be an encourager in the room, it should be you. If there's gonna be positivity in the room, it should be you. If there's somebody in the room that's got something to be happy about, it should be you. Because Christ wants you to live a life of freedom. And when people are in bondage and the weight of the world is on top of them, you could just look at them and you could tell. When they walk in the room, you could feel a heaviness all over them. That's not God's will for your life. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you could carry this weight around just trying to get by. Jesus died on the cross to set you free. And in John 8, 36, it says, if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. There's a freedom that can be found in Christ that nobody can talk you out of. Nobody can talk me out of my freedom that I found in Him. So I wanna encourage you this morning, don't sacrifice your freedom because you're in a rough season. Don't sacrifice your freedom because things haven't gone the way that you thought they would. Don't sacrifice your freedom because there's been some turmoil happening in your home. Don't sacrifice your freedom because you've been dealing with issues in your body. Because the devil would love to work his way into your life. And as I was studying this, I was reminded of Paul and Silas when they were locked up, chained up, thrown into a dark place. And it says at the midnight hour, they responded with prayer and praise that even locked away in a dungeon with chains on their hands and feet, they were still walking in freedom. That a chain couldn't take away the freedom that they had in Christ. That the darkness of their circumstances couldn't take away their freedom. And they begin to pray and they begin to praise and it says things begin to loose on them and the people around them. And when I was praying about this, the Lord told me to tell you this, that it's time to start resisting arrest. Because people are trying to throw stuff on you that Jesus has already set you free from. And he sets you free, you are truly free. That means there's no going back for me. I don't want that old lifestyle. I don't need that junk on top of me. You could, you could Google or YouTube videos of people resisting arrest. And I mean, they'll do everything. They'll punch you, they'll kick you, you could tase them and they'll still end up running away. I mean, they'll gouge your eyes out, pull your hair, they'll do everything, they'll scream, they'll holler, they'll climb up walls, trees, everything to resist arrest. And, and many times the people who are doing this are people who have done time. They know what it's like to be locked up. They know what it's like to be in handcuffs. They know what it's like to be locked up in the back of a car headed somewhere outside of their control. And I'm telling you, you have the ability to resist arrest. How do I know? Because the Word of God says that if you resist the devil, he will flee from you. He may try to get a hold of you, but he's not putting any chains on you unless you allow him. I'm gonna invite the prayer team to come and I wanna just read you a story. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, 
Sorry, I know that I've gone long this morning. I just wanna give you all of this. In 1838, there was a night of emancipation for the Jamaican slaves. And it says on that night that there was a mahogany coffin that was made and there was a grave that was dug. And it says into that coffin, they took all of the various relics and remnants of their previous bondage and sorrow. They took the whips, they took the torture irons, they took the branding irons, they took their garments, they took the fragments, the handcuffs, they took all these things and they placed them inside of the coffin and they screwed down the lid. And it says, at the stroke of midnight, that coffin was lowered into its grave. And then everybody who was there began to celebrate their redemption and their freedom from slavery. And the Lord told me today that there are people in here that have been carrying some remnants, that have been carrying some things that are still holding you back, that are still trying to bind you. And I'm telling you this morning is your moment to bury those things. No more chains, no more remnants, no more torture irons. No longer will these things have a hold over me, but today they get buried in the name of Jesus. And or maybe you're here today and you've not made a decision for Jesus. You've not put your faith in him. This is your moment to experience freedom. This is your moment to allow God to get rid of the fear and the guilt and the shame that you've been living with. This is your moment for God to get rid of the heaviness. Jesus took the weight of the world and carried it on his shoulders to the cross so you wouldn't have to. You've been carrying things that he already did for you. So if that's you this morning, as they begin to sing, I wanna invite you up here. You've got something to bury. You're ready to walk in freedom. If that's you, come quickly. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. 